Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast. We explore topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. On today's show, we're going to be covering the topic of opening up and asking for what you want in the bedroom. Asking for things you may need can involve the risk of being shamed or rejected. So should you take the risk? And if you do, what happens if it goes poorly? There could be a lot at stake, as Brandy and I can personally attest to. How one can cope with shame and rejection and all the things that go along with it. This is serious, deep stuff, and we're going to talk about that today. However, if you're like Brandy and I, you can also end up in a much better place in the end. We'll share with you a bit about our own personal struggles and strategies for what we did dealing with some of the harder moments and tips for getting to where you want and need to be. So I'm your host, Stephen, and joining me today are Kimberly. Hi. And Ava. Hey, friends. And Brandy. Howdy. (laughs) So before we jump into everything else, howdy. (laughs) Before we get into everything else, I was going to ask, you know, has anybody done anything interesting this week? And uh, I was going to say today, uh, Kimberly and I went on a hike uh, with our daughter, Meredith, and we, it ended up being a really cool hike that, you know, we picked this place. It was hard to find and, and I didn't know anything about it. And I had to convince Kimberly, hey, do you want to do this hike? Cause Kimberly's like, well, I don't like to go on long hikes, but I do like short hike, you know, so I had to meet all the right criteria and uh, it ended up being wonderful. Like we all had a great time out there and there's all these uh, rock climbers all over the place because mm-hmm. these are like boulders so you don't necessarily have the ropes but you have so all these like it was families and kids and stuff like that and they're out there climbing on these rocks like hanging upside down and so that was that was really fun and cool to see and it was like we weren't necessarily expecting that so that is our cool thing of the week anybody else brandon can you beat the pork chop from last week i can i'm going can. to well i'm not confident yet but so i have this new it's i guess it's a sex toy it's a glove that someone wears and each finger has a different um, sensation on it. Mm. Like one might be like really bumpy and one might be really ridged. Um, and I'm going to try that out. So you've been trying to podcast is over. I have my well, that's to- why you're like, oh, I have a time limit here before we started. I have to be done with this by such and such. Yeah, you're busted. You are busted. That is funny. Already, yes. Well, I have my partner in from Knoxville, so we are going to do that later. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, are you going to use the glove on yourself? No, I yeah, would, okay. though, but I'm going to let him use it. Sounds it sounds better with a partner. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, so I'm real excited about that. I'll report back next week how it went. Okay. <laughs> I recommend I the product. Know. Inquiring <laughs> minds want to know. Yeah, I'm eagerly awaiting for that update. Yeah, it's very cool. It's like all different. It's really, it's really. Cool. You know, I love that when I'm like, I was going to like, I'm just going to ask a question. Like, has anybody done anything interesting this week? Okay, and it was like last week. Ava's like, yeah, I had sex. You know, with a new partner. I wasn't That's expecting awesome. that, and Brandy, I wasn't expecting your answer. Oh, no, thanks. Well, I got it as a gift to myself for Christmas, and put it. I wrapped it and put it under my Christmas tree, and then I opened it after <laughs> Christmas. And yeah, it was my own gift to myself. I knew. Uh, <laughs> And um, then my parents came into town, so I just had to take and like throw it in my kink closet real quick because it was setting out like ready for, you know, use. And I was like, oh, no, we can't have that. And I just remembered it and rediscovered <laughs> it. It's like, we got to use this. That's all. I do love that you have an entire closet. Yeah. Yeah, I do until people come to visit and I have to like transition everything out of there so they can actually use it for real clothes and you know, that is so in like what it's intended for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really annoying, y'all. But anyway, no, it's great. Well, hey, that is a great transition. Okay. okay. Have you ever been shamed in the bedroom? So there's Brandy mm-hmm. hiding her her kink closet, right? You know? Right. So um ha- so that's a big question, I guess, today. And I, I suspect that everybody has some form or some story about something that has gone on. So have have you all who's been shamed or rejected? Besides Brandy and I, because I know the two of us have. I mean, I would somewhat relate to it, but maybe not as much as you or Brandy, because it wasn't to such an extreme. So I was dating this vanilla guy, and this was when I was first getting in um, to the lifestyle in terms of like going into the community and the kink club and that sort of thing. So um, 
I was dating vanilla guy and he was like vanilla ish. So he would do like some things in the bedroom. Um, but he was okay with me going to the club and like doing kink stuff with other people. It wasn't sexual. It was just like spankings and stuff like that. So at one point I come back and I'm with him and I have a few bruises and he's like, Oh, I don't know about this. Like I'm not comfortable with this. And then again, it happened. And he was like, I don't know, this is kind of fucked up. Like, I don't think this is okay. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) You know, I was like, I don't care, which I was about to move, I think at this point anyway. So I mean, I knew probably the relationship was ending, so I was really not that worried about it. But um, it was like it could have been shaming if I really had like, I guess, internally negative thoughts or feelings about me being into kink, which I just really haven't ever. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've really had much shame surrounding kink. It's just like been to some degree a part of my sex life throughout the whole you know time I've been having sex so it's just been like well that's just kind of what people do it didn't occur to me I guess that it was like different you think he was coming at it from like concern or more to like you should feel bad about this I mean I think at first it was concern and then it turned into more shaming towards Mm. the end interesting Ava do you have a story um, I, I do not have a, a story specific to being um, like humiliated or shamed over something in the bedroom. Um, I have felt shamed before for like my relationship style, like being polyamorous. I've had that turn into a problem in the past where I've had people say like, oh yeah, you're, you're poly now, but like, it's, it's just a phase. Like it's probably not going to last or like, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you say that you're poly now, but like it's, it's, you know, that's not a permanent thing. People don't like, people don't spend their entire lives being poly. They grow out of it. Um, or I, like I had a partner at one point who was monogamous and I was poly and he, he said that he was fine with that. Um, but there was so much jealousy that kind of became very, very apparent very quickly into the relationship where he didn't want me seeing anyone else. He didn't even want me to like hang out or really talk to any any guy friends that I had like platonic relationships with other men. Um, and so like these, you know, it's, it's one thing to be told like, yeah, sure. I'm okay with that. But then your actions say something totally different. And, you know, I felt very, very much pressured into trying to be put into this monogamous box that I just don't fit in um, and feel pressure from that and feel shame about just wanting to live my life and be who I am and just be true to myself. Um, so that was a really, difficult situation to be put in but as far as like sexual activity i've never had anyone like openly shame me for anything that i enjoy doing in the bedroom only relationship specific stuff and i think that's a good point i say in the bedroom early on but that's i don't necessarily mean that i mean like in general like with relationships where it where it impacts and really affects or makes the relationship hard so i think that's a that's a that's a great example so um I'll share my story, which is really my story of like what led to my divorce from my, from my first marriage. Um, you know, and I've talked about this some in the past, but it's like, you know, the first 10 years or so, you know, were great and we might not have been totally, totally healthy, but we might have been like unhealthy and fit together really well. And, you know, that was, that was that, you know, so the first 10 years, as I remember, you know, we're really kind of great. And then it was, I felt like it was me who started to kind of change and, and grow. And one of the things I realized about myself was like, I had, you know, to be a good responsible husband and father at this point, I had like stopped doing other things that I like to do. And part of that was just socializing with friends, you know, that I had kind of like just not done as much, you know, with them. So I realized that that was something that I needed more, more of, you know, and that was at my own doing or my own, yeah, my own doing, you know, that was my own kind of fault. Okay. Of, of kind of giving that up and that I didn't necessarily need to. And part of that was like self-care, you know, that if I'm doing, if I'm socializing more with friends, that's going to benefit me. I'm going to be a little bit happier and that's going to help everybody in the whole entire family. Okay. So that was on me. Total side 
topic though, is like me coming to terms and understanding that again, like, like all of us, it's like, no, we have this sort of kinky side. There's things that we, that I would like to do that I have not done. Um, and with my first wife, it, it didn't, it didn't fit well with her. You know, there's things I wanted to do that did, you know, were maybe too scary for her or she just wasn't comfortable with. And so I realized fairly early on, as I started to kind of want to explore stuff, it, it was not her thing. And it wasn't really fair for me to kind of push it on her. Right. And, and also sometimes it would be like, if she did something and enjoyed it, then the next day she'd have like, well, good girls don't do that syndrome where it's like, she would then feel bad. Like I'm, you know, I've done something that I really probably shouldn't have done. So I realized, you know, totally separate from me needing to kind of socialize more and, and you know, connect with friends. Um, I also had the side thing of like, well, I, there's, you know, parts of my sexuality and kinkiness that I really wanted to kind of get out there and explore and do. And that led to years of me trying to kind of figure out how to get everything to kind of fit together, you know, and it, I'm seriously like probably seven to eight years of trying to get all this, you know, how, how's this all going to work? And eventually that came down to me, you know, needing to have the, the talk, you know, uh, and say, say something. And, you know, I'm really glad that I did, but it's like, it, it became a talk I knew was going to be very sensitive and very kind of hard. And I really didn't know how it was going to go. And so at the time it was like, do I talk about kink first or do I talk about opening up the marriage and opening up the marriage to me was sort of linked with socializing. You know, I needed the socializing. So I wanted to talk about opening up the marriage because I think at this point I realized like that was a possibility that would help me on, say, the kink side. But uh, so anyway, out of those two, I picked, we're going to talk about opening up, which later I'm like, everybody's like, oh, you picked the wrong one. Like kink would have been way easier than to go in and be like, you know, hey, I need to socialize more, want to do more, go, you know, let's talk about opening up the marriage. So anyway, I brought it up and bringing it up really was like, not like, Hey, I have to have this, but it's like, I want the open discussion. I want to just, you know, put the idea out there and you know, what do you think about this? And it got shot down hard right away, you know? And so I'm going to say part of in reflection, her style is like, that was a scary thing for me to say it, you know, it threatened the marriage and so I'm going to, I think her defense tactics is what I'm going to use the word is, was like, no, we got to, we got to clamp down on this thing. We got to stop this right now before it gets out of control or whatever. Right. And so that, I, <laughs> that was not the right thing to do. It, it, I, it, I feel like it never really kind of is, you know, and, but it, it, it makes sense of why people do that. You know, it's done out of fear. It's done out of like, I don't want things to change. You know, and uh, so that's that's what happened. All right. But uh, what the end result of that, though, was and I'm going to say that sort of clamping down is the, the shame, you know. And so it was that led to a, a, like an entire year where there was like nothing I could do that was going to be OK or acceptable. OK, because I had like cheated in in my mind on her and. I need, I owed her and I needed to make it up. So anything I did was like, okay, that's just not good enough. You know, like it, and it sucked. And then, uh, probably eight to nine months into it. I remember she had this article that she found and she said like, look, this is, this is how I feel. And so I read through the article and the article was about cheating, you know? And so, and that's where I realized like, yeah, like I am being treated like I have cheated. And, um, you know, there was nothing I could do to make things okay at that point. So we never really got to talk more about opening up or anything like that. It just got shot down. But that one year of, I kind of think of it as my, my punishment phase in, in that uh, marriage and in that relationship, that is what ended that marriage. I mean, there were some, uh, there was other things. It's more complex than that, but, you know, but that, that one year of like, you spend a year with somebody and all you do is get beaten up about stuff. It's like that, that, that kills it, you know? And so that eventually led to me, you know, going to therapy. And I just remember that too, was really hard because it was like, when you go to therapy, you're supposed to go as a couple and she didn't want to go. And there was a whole bunch of like, sort of Ava, like you're talking about like, oh yeah, I want to go to therapy, but then the person really doesn't. So then they don't, and they come up with excuses and that led on for 
you know, like a year or two. So it was a very long drawn out process. But um, in, in the end, I got to the certain point and it was just like, no, I just, you know, if to stay in the marriage is like this uphill battle to go through a divorce, this is other uphill battle, but the divorce just felt like the better thing to do. And it felt like the easier thing to do. And it just, but like I say, it was, it was like, I did staying in the marriage. There's no guarantee that I would ever kind of get up that hill and never make it to the other side or whatever. And so it was not what I wanted to do. And that was interesting to one day just realize like, I don't want to, I don't want to be married anymore. You know, that was hard to admit to myself. Um, but that's what it eventually kind of came to. But I'm going to say that all, you know, again, looking back on it really came down to that one conversation and then sort of getting shamed for it. And, you know, on, on from her perspective, it's like, you know, she loved me, didn't want to lose me, but didn't handle it the best, you know, and, and that, you know, the, the clamping down part ends up really kind of pushing the other, it isolates, isolated me, did not give me any of the things that I wanted or needed and it made things worse. So it's, it's anyway, that's, that was my story of kind of dealing with it and it, it was hard, but, but I will say, we'll talk about this later going through that, the divorce part. I mean, that's, you know, you get, people get divorced because you're trying to make the situations better really for everybody. You know, you're not trying to like punish anybody, but you're trying to say, Hey, you know, in our case it was like, you know, there's a two of us and we have two kids. How are we going to redesign this relationship to where it's better for everybody? Like that's really the goal. And so I remember talking to her and be like, we're, you know, yes, it's called divorce, but it's like, really, we're trying to restructure this relationship. We're going to still have a relationship. It's going to be different. You know, we're still going to have a relationship because we got the kids and stuff. So we can't just walk away and not be that. But um, we were trying to restructure it. And of course, she's like, that was kind of over her head. That was too nice sounding, I guess, you know, but I do kind of, that's how I thought about a lot of it too. It was like, okay, what do we, what do, we do? So. Steven, I have a question. Yeah. That initial conversation that you had with your wife at the time where she kind of like immediately shut you down. I mean, it sounds to me like you were stating something that you needed, right. And asking for it or like wanting to start a conversation addressing it. And rather than having her like acknowledge and validate that, yes, this is a need, this is a thing that you, that you need and that we should talk about. It was kind of, it almost sounds like it was just invalidated. Like, no, you're not allowed to need this and I'm not, I'm not okay with talking about it. Is that what happened? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to take, uh, sometimes things people say, um, I think like there's like a little bit deeper meaning. Okay. So she, I, the, on the surface, she would say like, basically it would come across like, well, we're married. You already agreed to this. You know, now I joke with Kimberly all the time. I'm like, you're locked in. You can't leave me. You're locked in. <laughs> you know, um, But uh, that's kind of how it was treated. Like you made a promise and a commitment for a lifetime and you're not allowed to change your mind, you know, which now I'm like, that is wrong. That is really wrong of me to have made that promise and that commitment because you don't know. I mean, we were married for 18 years. So it's like you, you have no vision about how, you know, what life is going to be like 10 years out. 20 years out, you can't, you know, like you don't know that somebody's going to have cancer or get run over by a car or, you know, want to open up the, the relationship, or whatever. And, you know, I could not have ever predicted it. So, um, it, and it was my therapist who kind of pointed out too, you know, she, you know, she, she was kind of like, well, if you're going to get into the nitty gritty about like, you know, well, Steve, you've broken the vows of your relationship. You could be like, well, she's broken the vows of her relationship too. Cause she's not doing, you know, these, I forget what she said, but it was basically healthy aspects of relate of having a relationship, you know? So, and, and I do think her point, my therapist point was like, yeah, that's, this is not healthy anymore. It's not necessarily good to kind of stay in this in this place. But yeah, Ava, you're right. Uh, I do think some of that was just, again, to kind of like, we're going to anchor down and not change and we're going to stand our ground and you made a commitment and it is sort of like force and fear. And I don't want to say gaslighting, but it could be, you know, it's all that stuff, but it really comes from a place of like, she didn't want to get divorced, you know, and she, she didn't want to open things up. She didn't want anything to change which is fine, you know, but I did want things to change. And so the end result, that bad thing was that we never really got to have discussions about it. Even if we went into therapy, it just got convoluted and it was, it was hard. So yeah, it was really just shot down and the conversations closed and you owe me. So you were just shamed for wanting change at all. 
Uh, well, the type of change he wanted. Yeah. 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 I mean, I will say too, like just needing to socialize more. There is, you know, I mean, it's hard when you're having kids. Okay. And so she's at the time stay at home mom. And so for me to then be like, well, I need to get out and socialize more. There's this other part of her that's going like, what are you talking about? Like you go to work and hang out with all your friends at work, you know, and do that. And, and I'm like, that's work. That's not like friends at work. But as a stay-at-home mom, like that's all she's doing all day long. It's, she's, it's a, a different scene, you know? So her perspective of things uh, was different. And sometimes you could say it was twisted or whatever, not maybe accurate about, about you know, reflective, but it's like she had her own stresses and hardships that she was kind of dealing with. But for, but for me to go out and socialize with friends, that's not what she wanted. So she could, she just like you're saying, Ava, she would say, yes, I understand that. But then there was also this part that was like almost sabotage. Like, I don't really want him to go do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see that, you know, that again, that took the therapist to kind of like point that out of like, you know, Hey, this is what's basically really going. I think it's what happens with therapy really does is they're going to help you. You know, you can't see stuff of what's going on in your actual relationship. The therapist is there to kind of help point that stuff out to you. So you can see clearly and then either make decisions or, approach things well. And my, and my therapist did, you know, one of the things that she did, I'll add this, was come in and say like, you know, we're, we're gonna, I forget how she did it, but it was like, we're gonna do a test. You know, you say you want a divorce. Well, we're gonna do a, a short test. Like I, she was like, I hear you, but you know, before we do anything, we need to see if the other person is willing to make changes. You know, because if they are, then you've got stuff you can work with, you know, and we can like explore that. And if they're not, then you, then you have, then you can realize like, this is how things are. You know, this person is not going to make changes. And then you decide, are you going to just live with it and, you know, stay and live with them or are you not? And so she's like, let's go through that exercise before you say anything to her, before you make a final decision on your own. And that was interesting because <laughs> she goes, let's do these exercises. They're going to be hard for you to do because you're kind of pushing people's boundaries. You're making the other person uncomfortable, you know, so you're kind of getting into not arguments exactly, but you're making the other person kind of uncomfortable to see what, how they react. And then the end result is like, that's where I really learned. Like she does, she's not going to make any change, you know, like she says it, but she really is not willing to kind of do this stuff, which is again, totally valid. She does not need to, but it just meant that that was not a good fit with me. And that's one of the things like with leading towards a divorce where I was going like, I'm not giving her what she needs. You know, like we're at this point, neither one of us is, is giving the other person what they need and that's where it ends up being like, we, we would be better and happier divorced than staying together. You know, stay, staying together does not mean you're it's a successful relationship. You know, I feel like doing the right things at the right times, th that's a better goal and approach. And again, you know, you can never predict how, what you're going to be like 20 years in the future. So to be flexible and be willing to work with your partner, that is one of the things I really liked about Kimberly you know, that was one of the most attractive things about her is that she had life experiences that to me demonstrated that uh, she was willing to go through and make some hard changes and be flexible and stuff that she didn't always want to do, but she, she did. And so that was, that was very attractive to me because I kind of remember thinking like, that's, that's the right kind of person and attitude that, that I really, want and admire and respect and so that was she's still very sexy with that oh thanks i love you <laughs> <laughs> brandy do you want to share your your yeah so i don't think um i've ever heard your full story the way that you just presented it and what's interesting is mine yours yours was talked about when you tried to bring up the conversation it was totally shut down and when I brought up the conversation, it was actually the opposite that we both went and experimented and explored. Um, and so that was kind of an interesting contrast to your story. So in terms of my relationship and what ultimately led to the amicable divorce, um, we had we'd went through a lot. Well, granted, we, you know, we met when in my early 20s. And um, so I feel like in your early twenties, you're destined to change 10 years later. And I certainly was. Um, and throughout our relationship, we had went through periods of being monogamous and very content and happy and 
quite frankly, just not having time to have other partners if we wanted to. And so we were always happy together. Um, so there was never any deficit there, but we got to a point where it wasn't so much I wanted an open relationship to go have sex with other people, but I wanted an open relationship to explore my kink. Um, and even from my first sexual partner, I was into kink, but kind of similar to Kim Kimberly. I didn't realize that's what it was. Um, I mean, it, I just, it, you know, the example I give is he ended up like installing hard points behind his bed frame and then we would cover them up with like pillows and stuff when I was young. And I just thought that that's what you did. If you enjoyed it, like you just get out the power tools and make it happen. So, <laughs> but, um, in hindsight, I'm like, okay, not a lot of people do that or that young anyway, but for me, it just felt normal. I enjoyed it. And, but it wasn't until I discovered, well, I discovered that I was in to some more what I call advanced kink. I don't like to say the word extreme because sometimes it has a negative stigma associated. Um, and I wanted to explore that more. And I feel like I will, I am very um, fortunate that when I had the conversation with my ex-wife that she was open to the idea. Um, she never made me feel um, ashamed for what I wanted to explore. And if anything, quite honestly, I did much more negative self-talk, um, just internally, like, and for example, it would be like, if I could just be the way I was 10 years ago, or if I wasn't like this, then her and I would be great. So, but she never inflicted any of that on me. That was just all me. And so uh, I am fortunate that, um, she approached that really well um, because I'm not sure how I would have responded to um, the love of my life at that time, having such a negative in impression of me. Um, but anyway, and so we ended up exploring separately and then even together on some occurrences. And basically I think I was really good at compartmentalizing partners I thought I was really good as when I was with her, I was with her. And then when I was with someone else, I was with them and they got my undivided attention, but yet I was always available to her. But I feel like she probably struggled to compartmentalize. And at the end of the day, realized that she was monog monogamous um, and I am not. And it, I, I mean, I do put strong value on a primary partner, but I also strongly feel like not one person can fulfill all my needs and wants and desires. And so that's why I have secondaries for that exploration. And we decided to get divorced. Um, I'll also say that I realized that I I'm in a position that not everyone is in and that once we divorce, I'm able to live independently and support myself and not have a dual income in order for that, for me to live comfortably. Um, so I can only imagine the the hardships I would have had if that was a factor, but it wasn't fortunately. And on the other side of it, yeah, I feel much more like I'm living my authentic self. Uh, her and I are still very good friends. Of course, the, the relationship structures change some, but we're still very much there for each other and supportive. And I'm happy for her when she has happy events and um, same for me. But it was, it was, it was wonderful to be able to be that vulnerable with her and her, the way she received it and the way she replied back was so wonderful and gracious and did not make me feel shame at all. But it was interesting how I chose to make myself feel shame when she didn't in, in a way. Hmm. Um, so I had to do a little bit of work to get through that. And even honestly, like on my bad days, I still am like, why do I like what I like? And why do I need to take it to that level to get like the type of release and cathartic um, result from the situation? But yeah. So, so uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. so you're, we use the word shame a lot, but you're, I yeah. think what you're also saying is like, you often felt guilty. Which you could oh, say I felt, oh, I felt horribly guilty. 
Because I knew <laughs> if that one part of me wasn't there, that her and I would be okay and we would have survived, mm -hmm. I believe, the marriage. Um, yeah, so... It took yeah. me a little bit of internal work to to get over that and just be like, listen, like, you know, Brittany, when was the last time you would consider yourself and a group of people the most normal one? Right. And I'm like, oh, that's true. Probably never. So, you know, it took a little <laughs> bit of work for me to get through that one. But on the other side of it, uh, it's well worth, you know, for me, it, it, there were parts of the journey that were bumpy, of course, but mm -hmm. it was well worth it to be where I'm at now. I just want to add, like I had sort of guilt too. Again, you can't see this, but the therapist pointed out that it's like, you know, I really do try to be a good husband and a good mm -hmm. father and do the responsible thing for that. And be, and that was clashing with taking care of myself, you know, being yeah. true, true to myself. And, you know, and so it's like that, that really was guilt, you know, oh, if I do this, then I'm going to be a, a bad dad or I'm going to impact my kids or, you know, mm -hmm. My, my wife, whatever. So that was hard, you know, and again, just to kind of like get through that because I wouldn't have said mine's negative self-talk, but I just like was more of like a sense of responsibility. Like I want to be a good person who is there for them. And mm -hmm. then if I'm doing things for myself, sometimes that clashes, you know, like if I'm doing right. it for myself, it's nicely going to be what, what she wants and needs. Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to be like, you got to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Or just, yeah. yeah so. And um, earlier, someone had mentioned the word sabotage, so I made a little note about that. I do want to say, you know, the process that her and I went through was not easy. We, we had several situations where I feel like in hindsight it was sabotage, and I don't even think she realized she was doing it. Um, but, you, you know, I would have had a what I call a kink session set up for like, let's say an afternoon on a Saturday. And we would have talked about it every day leading up to it, how she was feeling. We would check in with each other. Like I wanted her to be completely comfortable, of course, when I would leave. And the entire week, we everything was good. We discussed it. And but then the day of when I would start to go take a shower and start putting my makeup on, it would become I don't want to say emotional in a negative way, but it would become a very emotionally charged environment. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of put me in this situation of, okay, do I stay and try to help her through what she's going through, which I feel like was not coming from like a logical place. So there was no real gr grounding I could do in the situation. Or do I leave and go to this, what this plan that I've made? Um, and then come back and show her that that's what that is. And I'm back and I'm, there's nothing changed about me. And so there were, and I don't, even to this day, I don't know if I did it correctly. Um, of course, there were times where I would stay and, and, and cancel the plans I had. Um, and then there would be times where I would leave, which was very difficult when she was upset and, and come back. And so, you know, I don't want to gloss over the fact that, there were some very difficult challenges that happened, but I think I'm you never know if you do the right thing. Yeah. You know, even you, to this I mean, day. You, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I tend, I tend to think that it's better to just be like, I'm going to, my intent is going to do, be to do the right thing, you know? And if you have the right. intent there, then if you mess up, then it's a mistake. It's not on purpose. Right. I mean, you're a bad person, but it's like, yeah, you never know. I mean, even making, doing something good could end up having some kind of bad repercussion that wasn't. Yeah. I think it was just very difficult knowing that my decisions and actions were hurting her like they were. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, and getting through that was not easy, but anyway, yeah. With sharing these, it's like, okay, let's all agree that if you open up and like, just what gave me the idea of this, this, this topic in the first place is like, there is so much talk about that that we all say that it's like, you know, go, you know, go for it, go out there and just tell your partner what you want in the bedroom and just start talking about it. And we kind of imply like you guys will work it out and it'll be good. And you know, what hit me was like, it's not always good. <laughs> and you know, from my own personal experience and, and others, and there are real, real risks involved. So I don't think that we really have any answers. Like if somebody's listening and they have, they're in a certain situation, I don't think we can give any kind of real straight, great advice. We will some, like, I think later on in the, in the show, but it's, it's just like, let's just admit at this point, like some bad stuff can happen. And so you really are weighing your risks and deciding like how to approach this 
and you know, do you say something or do you not? And so I just want to kind of put that out there that uh, you know the consequences can be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandy, I do remember as we were prepping for this and kind of talking about this topic. I remember asking you though, I was that I said like, well, for myself, I feel like you know being authentic to myself, you know, and sort of I'm going to say standing up, but going through that whole process as much as that process sucked. Like I felt like, okay, it gets better. And I'm glad that I'm here now because I'm, I don't want to say I'm on the other side, but I'm at a place in my life where I can like, I can be authentic and I can do these, the things that I wanted to do. And some of the stuff, you know, I'm going to say the, the, uh, the interest that I had in kink, which I still have, but you know, at the time it was like almost more powerful because I couldn't do any of it. And you didn't mm-hmm. know what, what were you going to like and what were you not going to like, right? Mm-hmm. So now I can, because I've had the experiences, I can be like, I really like this, but it's not the end of the world if I can't have it either, you know, because I've been able to kind of, you know, explore and do that stuff. So I think being authentic and getting to do that definitely is better. And like, that's the message I think I want to say is that like, it will get better if you're in the middle of this thing and it's crappy for a year or two or seven, like I had, um, Mm -hmm. it'll get better and just kind of keep working on it. Do you agree? I think that you do, but what do you, what do you, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, the process of, of getting to your authentic self for me anyway, hasn't been an easy one. Um, but it's still been well worth it, whether it was, you know, when I came out to my parents years ago, um, all the way to trying to do, you know, get married before gay marriage was legal and all the conscious decisions you make along the way for that to coming out as like, you know, a, I want to, say alternative lifestyle person mm-hmm. um yeah but it's totally worth it I, I feel like every day i just continue to learn more about myself and just aim to be the, the most authentic version take it or leave it for whoever <laughs> experiences it right. but at this point i i don't think going back or trying to alter myself to be unauthentic to let's say make a relationship work whatever work for me i'm too yeah. far beyond yeah. that this is one of the things I really admire about you. Okay. So what was, the, I think you said like, you know, your therapist was like, when have you ever felt like the normal person in the room? Is that, what was mm-hmm. the wording used? Normal? Yeah. What I would, yeah. What society deems a, yeah. Quote, unquote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Person. yeah. Cause I would say like, you are like that person. Like you are the, basically it comes out like you're the healthy person, right? You had, you have, mm. you don't have, you're not going to have the shame around it. You're going to be, be like, no, I like doing these things. This is what I want. You know, you're, you have like sort of the healthy attitude where I think so many people that are quote, you know, normal, they Mm -hmm. they don't have these talks, you know, they don't explore these things. So, you know, and in some ways I feel like my ex was quote normal, you know, which is like, we're not going to talk about this. We're not, this is not what we do, you know, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think I can look at you and I can be like, you actually have the freedom to be yourself at this point in time. And that's the hardship is I'm going to say earlier, maybe you and I were not as free about all that as what we wanted, you know, and it's, and you can't, nobody knows that at the beginning Mm -hmm. process you work through. Then there's Ava and Kimberly over here who just as Mm -hmm. right out of the get go, like have have been like, Oh yeah, nobody ever did anything bad to me. Yeah, we're totally admired. <laughs> but I love, I love that. And, you know, I think it, you guys, I'm like, how did you make, do it so easily, you know, and sort of, you know, young and just not run into some of the hardships, I guess, that I kind of feel like I did. But, but I admire that about both of you, you know, mm-hmm. is that you have done it like easily from the get go, from what I can tell. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's, it's easy, right? Like for me, learning how to have those transparent conversations and, and, you know, ha- take the courage to, to ask for what you want or express what you need. Like those are, that doesn't mean that they're not scary conversations or that they're not difficult conversations. Right. Yeah. You're know. not taught that it's it, it like, Oh, the, here's how you have this yeah. conversation. Yeah. You have to learn it along the way or use your resources, but it's a very foreign concept at first when you're first trying to. Absolutely. Uh, None of us are taught that. So like, I I feel like everyone in the room right now, we've, we've all had to figure out how to do that along the way. And sometimes you end up like in my situation where like, oh yeah, my partner hears me and accepts me and we work through all the hard stuff and it's fine. And other times, like in, in your guys' situation, Steve and Brandy, like 
it didn't work out so well and it wasn't a great match. And, and at the end, like the best thing for everyone was, was to part with your partner. Right. And so I, I don't think that it's, it's necessarily that like, Oh, Kimberly and I were more successful or that we just did it better. Like the conversations are still there and they're still difficult, but the, you know, the way that you get to the end result can be, look different and the end result can look different. I still think you two make it look easy. They do make it look easy, but yeah. And can I give, so I want to talk, I don't know if later on in the this um, episode, we give tips on how to have these conversations or not. If oh, so, that's I'll actually say, right now. Yeah, okay. Brandy, that was an awesome segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, that, that is what I wanted to get into, okay? So it's like, you know, one is like admitting that, hey, it can be bad, things can go bad, you know, and two is just saying like, it gets better. Like all, I, you know, just our experiences, that's what it says is, is like, yeah, it's worth going through that hardship. And, you know, that's what I, a message I would want to give people that are, are dealing with something hard at home is like, yes, those conversations maybe are not fun and it can be very scary, but I think that they're important to have, even if it goes bad, just know that it's not really bad. You know, I mean, it's like, it can be bad for the day, but it's like, it's a process and it's, it's important to kind of work on it and you're trying to get to a, a better, a better place. So in that regard, I think, think like that's that sort of happy ending to all this is like, you, you'll get there, you know, it might take a while and it might not be fun all the time, but you will get there. So then the, the third part that I really wanted to cover today are things like advice, skills, topics like that, that we can maybe discuss and offer people to that are maybe in the middle of something, you know, having these conversations and not they're not resolved yet. Okay, so I, I wanted to give one tip. You wanted what? I want to give a tip. Please. Okay. It's, so it's, this is what I did is when I was like my little baby authentic self, just trying to, you know, make it along. Um, so it was very difficult for me to have what I considered at the time confrontation, which can, uh, you know, before I knew that confrontation could be a good thing, all I considered it was a negative. Um, and I'm not necessarily like recommending this for everybody, but what really worked for me is I had a partner at the time and we communicated sometimes through a journal. Um, it was easier for me to write down what I needed to say and then lay it where I knew he was going to find it. And then he would read it and reply back because at that time I could not, I didn't have the cap capability to process telling this person um, and then not knowing how they were going to react. And I couldn't deal with a negative reaction. So just if there's people that are kind of in that in-between state of, I'm not saying to use the written journal as a way to get out of verbal communication, but as a step towards it, if you can't jump in immediately into a verbal um, in-person confrontation or discussion, you know, that might be one temporary way to go about it. That was all that really worked well for us in the beginning. That's good. Okay. Ava, Kimberly, do you, do you have any tips or any advice that you want to offer? The advice that comes to my mind, really, this applies to like my past experiences with polyamory and with um, new partners. So like if I'm in a relationship with another person and I want to start a romantic or sexual relationship with a third person, I like my, my current partner, like, yes, we're polyamorous. Like, yes, we are in an open relationship. Yes, we're cool with all of those things. But I, until recently, like hadn't really done anything like that in a long time. And so I wanted to be really cognizant of like what kind of feelings may come up for my partner as I'm exploring something new with someone new for the first time in a very, very long time. Um, and we had a conversation about, you know, I want to make sure that your needs are being addressed and met while I am taking some of our time away so that I can go and do stuff with, with somebody else. Right. So just having that conversation of I might have less, less us time in the near future. What can we do to make sure that you still feel loved and feel heard and that your needs are still being addressed? Um, and we kind of brainstormed ideas like, do we add another date night to our weeks or do we do something special on the weekends and just be very intentional about con like making that time? Um, and so we're just kind of checking in and having regular conversations like that, just to say like, how are you feeling? What are you feeling? Do you want to talk about it? What do you need? Because I am doing this other stuff that's kind of 
not taking away my love or affection for you, but maybe taking away some of my time or energy. Like what else can we do to make sure that your needs are still being addressed? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how we typically handle it. Do you all feel like this, like what we're talking about with tonight, do you feel like a lot of it is really just how do you deal with shame? Like not necessarily like, oh, we're in a hard spot in our relationship, but it's more that we're really discussing the topic of shame and how you deal with shame. Yes. But I think it's it's both a matter of shame and kind of self-shame, like Brandy was mentioning earlier, which I think is the same same thing as guilt, like you said, Stephen. Like, I think it's both shame and guilt. So whether you're experiencing that from somebody else or intrinsically, like, from within yourself. Yeah, yeah. So we're sort of saying, like, oh, we're talking about this, like, as relationships and, you know, coming from a, a partner or something like that. But, yeah, really what we're, maybe the bigger picture is that we're just talking about, like, how do we deal with shame? How do we deal with guilt? Yeah, okay. Um, you know, one thing, another thing that kind of comes to mind is like, you know, advice for people. Okay. I, I would say like, go find a therapist, you know, because mm-hmm. they being a, like a sort of independent third party, you know, are trained to sit there and be able to listen to you and your partner and help you guys be able to like talk, you know, and, and, and do so in a way that is, that works. You know, I, that was one other thing is my therapist was like, Steve, you know, I tell, you know, 90% of the couples come in here and they do not talk to each other. And I'm like, you people have to talk to each other. She goes, for you all, I'm going to tell you, stop talking. Don't talk. (laughs) And and, uh, she goes, because you guys talk, but it's not productive. You know, so when you do that talking, you need it to be productive. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. And so basically she was like, when you start, when you get to that point in the conversation and it's not being productive, then just agree to stop. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no point in doing it. So I thought that was really kind of good advice. But a a therapist, you know, can can help a lot. One thing that I learned, though, was uh, there's couples therapists and there's individual therapists. Okay. And so my experience, again, too, is like with a couples therapist, so I, I had to go secretly behind my wife at the time, her back to go to this therapist because she was not on board with it, you know? And so that I felt like I was cheating going to the therapist, you know, but I was at a point where it was so stressful. I was like, I just need to do this for myself. Okay. So I did. And as soon as I did, everything started to go better. Uh, you know, it was like amazing. Okay. But, um, the in, so I had an individual therapist and then at that point, that's when my wife at the time was like, well, no, well, I want to do couples therapy. You know, and so she didn't want to do an individual therapist of her own. And so my individual therapist is like, okay, so here's the thing about couples therapy, you know, that the couples therapist, this is how I understand it. So I might not have this totally right, but this is how I understand it. As the couples therapist is not representing either person, they are representing the relationship. So she's like, when you go in there for couples therapy, you have to tell them that you 100% want a divorce there is zero chance of you wanting to stay together because if you come in and say like there's there's one percent chance that i might want to stay then like i'm going to say legally that that couples therapist then is like they can't they have to represent the relationship and then they're going to bend you both to do whatever you can to to serve that relationship okay so that's part of like i'm going to say the ethics behind it so what i would suggest is like if you go to couples therapy which i think could be really good i also feel like it's best if each person has an individual therapist because you're really in my mind if if all i did was go to couples therapy i i feel like i would have been manipulated to do what can you do to stay in this marriage you know and that would have been at, at the expense of me as an individual is what I think it would come down to. So I really feel like it's better to like have your individual, each person has their individual therapist that they can go do and talk to and get advice about. And then also maybe have the couples therapy. So that is a lot of, that's three therapists right there. You know, that may not be realistic, but I do at least want to kind of point out that, you know, the couples therapist, the, the danger there is that they're not necessarily representing you as an individual. And you can just point that out to them, you know, when you're in there is like, you know, Hey, we need you to be able to, to do all three things, you know, talk to us as a, as a relationship, but also, you know, be able to give advice for, for our individual needs. And I think most of them are like, Oh, of course, that's what we do. I don't know if they fully do that, you know, as well. There's yeah. Kimberly. Will you- I mean, I feel like you need the individual therapist to focus on you and your individual issues, which may be separate from the couple's issues, but connected. 
And then you have the couples therapist to kind of work between work out things between you. But unfortunately, um, in the United States where we live, this is not necessarily, like you said, um, realistic just because like therapy isn't necessarily that accessible to everyone, especially when you're talking about, oh, now I have two therapists that I have to pay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the fees can be steep. I mean, we've, right. we found that multiple times, uh, or I have anyway, over the years It's like, you know, you can find a therapist and they're inexpensive and the next person on the street is like three times as much. So it's mm -hmm. like, I, I think, you know, you, you got to figure out like what fits your budget. And, but I mean, if you don't have a lot of money, it's like, you can usually still find somebody if you ask around, I mean, you know, make a phone call. And if that person's too expensive, ask for advice. You know, I mean, people they, work, do work off of like, um, they do have a certain, some therapists have like a certain amount of clients they take on a sliding scale. And so you can always look for the sliding scale therapists. Mm -hmm. And then also check with your insurance. I think some insurances give you like a lump sum of money each year or, or each year that you have that insurance to put towards what they call mental health um, services. So that could be something like even acupuncture, if, if that's your therapeutic outlet or counseling. Okay. I, I didn't that. know that. That's good. Yeah. Kimberly, yeah. uh, you, you and I were talking about, um, you know, advice that you would give because you have like a social work background. Um, you are a social worker. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the advice of like, you were saying like there's alternating between like time you work with your partner on the issues, but then there's also like self-care that you have to do. Right. So I would say, um, working out with the partner, um, your partner, when you're both feeling good and positive and fresh in kind of that kind of receptive type of mood. And then at a certain point, stop talking when tensions rise up. Um, because at that point you're like your therapist said about you and your ex-wife, like you're not going to be productive any longer. And a lot of people have the advice of never go to bed angry. Well, I don't agree with that because you right. can't necessarily like resolve all your issues in one evening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to just agree to walk away and give each other space. And maybe you're still angry and you go to bed, but that's okay. Yeah. And I think another thing to point out there is if you get into one of those heated situations where you can't resolve everything that day, like you said, Kimberly, it's perfectly fine to put it on the back burner, but then don't let it stay there. Like make a time, a dedicated time, maybe later in the week to readdress it, to make sure it mm -hmm. doesn't get lost or just not addressed again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like, I guess the second part of that is just making sure that you have time for self-care so like i'm a really structured person so if you find that you are like i'm really busy and i don't have time like i will work it into my schedule or i'll put on my to-do list over the weekend like i am going hiking this weekend and like literally you know write it out um and block away some time to do it um and so like self-care coping skills, I guess I would say that I suggest, which there's just like so many if you even just want to Google coping skills, but um, stuff that works for me is taking a walk or some type of exercise, um, writing things down. But I think it's really important too, once you write things down to kind of like get it out of your head that you put that journal or notebook away in a drawer and then you're just like, okay, I'm letting it go now. I'm going to try to stop thinking about it so that you're not um, just like going over and over in your head, which I can have a tendency to do myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then like listening to music and then talking to a trusted friend, which can be different, you know, than a therapist. So um meditation um, can be helpful. Um, really just doing anything that you enjoy that kind of like gets you out of your head, I think is helpful um, for self-care. Taking a break. Like mm -hmm. you have your time when you're talking to your partner or working on things, but the other part, the self-care is, is this a summary of self-care? Like taking a break, do things mm -hmm. you enjoy, 
so that you're not right. Do whatever it is you need to do for yourself to take care of yourself. Um, you know, you kind of have to figure it out for for the individual. Like the individual has to figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. But the whole concept that that you're kind of getting at with like taking self care time is it sounds like to make sure that the conflict, like whatever the issue is, isn't encompassing your entire life. That you have other things in your life that are not a challenge, right? That you have things that are filling your cup and not just taking from it. Right. That's really how to live a healthy life, I guess. So you could say that for like really any Mm -hmm. issue, these um, suggestions are good, not just necessarily this specific issue. I find this kind of funny. You, you had said like taking a walk and then exercise and meditation. And when you said that, I was like, oh, I did. I would combine all three of those. Okay. Yeah. So like I found like if if I was like mad, okay, I, I would realize like, okay, I need to break away from the situation for a little bit. Okay. So that could be like, and I'll still do this. It doesn't happen much. But if like, if I'm just like mad and I'm like, it's not cool for me to dump whatever I'm feeling right now. Okay. So I'd be like, I'll go for a walk. You know, it might be 10 minutes, but it's like just to sort of cool off and refocus and be able to come back in thinking clearer because, you know, when you're mad, you're not always thinking clear. Okay. But, um, taking a walk, the other thing that I found was really helpful for me was like, I would go on a walk, just like a half hour walk. And sometimes I'd listen to music or I would listen to podcasts, but other times I would like, if I had a bunch of stuff kind of in my head, I wouldn't put anything on. Right. And I would just walk. And I found in the end, I was like, oh, this is almost like doing meditation of sorts. Okay. But you're walking and you know, like in Buddhist meditation, they're like, don't think anything. And then, you know, the thoughts come into your head and then you just push them away. Okay. Well, what I found was interesting is like the thoughts that would come into my head by the time I would finish this 30 minute walk, I'd be able to come back and be like, this one thing is really bugging me. And beforehand, it was like lost in the maybe the bigger picture. And so it kind of would give me focus. And sometimes it would be just be like, I'm worried about this thing at work, you know. And so aside from my marriage, it's like, I just need to go in and I need to fix this thing at work. And I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'll feel better. You know, I'll just, it'll be off my plate and I'll feel better. And so it was just, it was interesting to sort of get some focus just from having that like 30 minute quiet walk and just seeing what was going on in my head that that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? I had one more piece of, of advice that yeah. I was hoping I could bring to the conversation really quick. Um, we talked a lot about like couples therapy versus individual therapy and, and self-care. And I recall from my experience with couples therapy in the past, like the, if, if there was one thing that I took away from, from how to deal with, you know, these conflicts in relationships of like bringing up what you need or making sure that that is, that is heard and, and working through, like, if you are rejected or if you feel shame or guilt out of it is just making sure when you come to the table with that person, with that partner, whoever they are in your life, that you, that both of you are able and willing to show up for the other with, with empathy and compassion and like really focus on how do I connect with you emotionally in whatever you are feeling, mm-hmm. whatever the conflict is, whatever that that icky feeling is, how do I connect with you emotionally and make sure that, that you know that I see your pain or that I see where you're struggling. I see the challenge that you are feeling and just make sure that you are emotionally connecting with them before we even start trying to like tackle the problem. So that way you both know that you're ultimately you're on the same team. You're both trying to accomplish the same, the same thing, fix the same problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all. Ava, you are really good with like the relationship advice. Like I can tell you've, you've studied it, gone through a lot of it and things like that, which ties in. I just want to mention this, like next week we're going to talk and you're going to kind of lead us through on like relationship styles and different way, different different relationship style. So that could be like poly monogamy, open relationships, and just the, all the blur that is in between all them. Um, but talking about the different styles, but then you have so much knowledge about like how to kind of interact and work with partners, you know, and, and so I can just the way you answer the stuff, you do it so well. So next week, everybody, that's what we're going to kind of cover that there's more than one way to do a relationship. And Ava has, she's going to help lead us through that. Cause she, I feel like you are the most, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is. You're the most, uh, literate, succinct, 
person that <laughs> well thank you <laughs> it's definitely not me so no but you do a great thing and then the other thing i think you're going to cover too is like um power dynamics and power imbalances and so in relationships how those kind of like affect so that's sort of re- it's sort of related and sort of separate but anyway I've, i'm i'm looking forward to that for next week um so that really wraps up our discussion for today and uh you can uh, find us on ethicalseduction.com. We've got the website there, always expanding it, always adding more things to it. So please check that out if you haven't explored a little bit. Um, you can please subscribe to us for the podcast so you get future episodes if you like this one. We do come out with a new one every single Friday. Usually about noon is when it gets dropped and gets released. Uh, and if you subscribe, it'll just go right into your podcast player. You can also leave us a voicemail and nobody has done this yet. And we would love to have like a voicemail or just write us questions. If you have questions, topics you want us to discover, any kind of feedback, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on the podcast places where you can, uh, you know, write us or on anchor, you can leave us a message, but we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter, all those places. So yeah, write us and let us know. Even on the website, you can write us. Uh, somebody did that actually last week, may, dropped a comment under one of the blog posts that we had. So you know, if you write us, we will find it. We will see it. And we would love to answer, answer questions that you have. And uh, if you want to, give us a rating on iTunes because that's, that's a big deal with iTunes. So if you like the show, you know, Write a, write a short review. I don't think you have to say a whole lot, but that would be helping us out. So we would appreciate that very much. So again, catch us next week. Ava's going to take us through relationships and styles and power dynamics and power imbalances and how all that stuff works. So All the fun things. Yeah, so soon. So <laughs> thank you, everybody. Talk again next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.